Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of What's in the Pod, hosted by me, Ben Grabia. On today's episode, I'm joined by the first member of the two-time guest club and my co-producer, Mickey Khan, to discuss the 1995 film, Seven. This one's going to be a great one. This movie had huge influence on my podcast name and why I wanted to start the podcast. So it's going to be a great one. And without further ado, cue the music. What's in the fucking box? Hello, Mickey Khan, buddy. How's it going, dude? Going great, man. You uh, watch seven this week. And so we're going to get into it right now, huh? Mm-hmm. So I don't, without, all right, well, you know, the, I, we're going to bring this up later in the uh, rewatchability category, but I'm, I had a really hard time watching this movie, man. Like the, the super bad, super bad. I watched that movie four times in one week. And I loved every single time I watched it. It was amazing. But like, I, dude, look, I love you. I love this podcast. <laughs> I, I could not bring myself to watch this movie two times for this podcast. Like I watched this movie once and like, it was, it was hard. It was hard to watch. It was tough. And I think it, it speaks volumes to you and the lengths that you will go to make this podcast great that you would watch a movie like seven multiple times in a week just for one episode like that gives me a lot of faith and that makes me want to bet on this podcast because like four God, times there is no oh, there shit. is no normal person that can watch seven four times in one week that's just i crazy. watched it tuesday night wednesday night thursday night friday night And I watched it, this movie is weird, like, I watched it, like, in the dark, alone, in my room, every single time. Every single time, it's great. This movie is insanely great. This movie is great. What was it like, did the movie change for you with the categories and all that stuff in the mind? Like, what was that like? Yeah, uh, this movie was a difficult one. It, it this movie was not made for your categories. First of all, like there's, it's tough to fill in the blanks in terms of the categories. But it, you know, it it works. You know, it's a movie. The, you got a movie podcast. You got some good categories for this. It, you know, we'll we'll be okay. We'll make it through it. All right. So I'm gonna get into the basic background of the movie and the synopsis and all that stuff. So here I go. So seven. Is about the relationship of the rookie and a vet cop who are faced with finding out the case of a serial killer who uses the seven deadly sins as his motives. It stars Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Kevin Spacey. Yikes, that Fuck does Kevin not Spacey. age very well. Fuck that guy. Written by Andrew Kevin Walker and directed by the great... It was nominated for one Oscar for Best Film Editing. Did not win. The budget was $33 million, So, And then they made 
327.3 million at the box office. Where do you think this movie ranks on the IMDb top 200? Top 25. Give me a number. A number? Mm-hmm. 22. Close, man, close. It was 20. It's ranked 20th on the IMDb with an 8.8 out of 10. It's pretty good. High praise. High 19, praise. Right 19th, 19th is Seven Samurai. I honestly have never seen it. And the 21 is Life is Beautiful. Never seen it. So Same couldn't, really gauge, couldn't really gauge on that. All right. So here's my first question, my like question that I'm going to ask you that I don't let you know before is I'm going to give you eight movies that I think are relevant. The, the listeners will know. And I'm going to ask you, which one were you more shocked by this movie that I'm going to ask you or seven with the plot twist? Okay. Oh, okay. Were you more shocked by the gone girl plot twist or the seven plot twist? uh seven all right were you shocked more by the fight club uh plot twist or the seven plot twist fight club were you more shocked by the get out plot twist or empire strikes back plot twist or sorry get out my bad get out or yeah Okay, what what is the get out plot twist? I didn't like what the plot twist that he like gets away or something. Like, yeah, at the very end of the movie, you're like, I didn't oh, 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 damn, uh, dang, seven, seven, seven. seven. Okay, now and the Empire Striking. Yes. Okay, now Empire Strikes Back plot twist or seven? Plot seven twist. only because. I watched Empire Strikes Back in the 2000s and I knew the plot. Yeah, stuff. exactly. Okay, the usual, suspect, the usual Suspects plot twist or the Seven plot twist? Usual Suspects. Shutter Island or Seven? Mm, Shutter Island. Yeah, that blew my mind. That was crazy. <laughs> that was crazy. Uh, Great movie. The Inf- Infinity War or seven seven infinity wars was more powerful though yeah infinity war like if you read a comic book or like you just looked on an internet you saw it coming less shocking but more powerful Mm -hmm. okay inception which i don't know if that's a plot twist or kind of is i don't even know if like it's real or not you know i i know what you're talking about but seven 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 for sure okay so seven was it's probably about 50 50 with those i think seven ranks like one of the most plot twist movies i've ever seen i remember yeah we'll get in now we're gonna get into it now but the first time i saw it it's kind of like where the whole movie you're kind of like where is this going like the score is doing such a great job building and building and building i'm gonna get into it later with the storytelling aspect but it's building and building it's like and they're driving out to this field and you're like i like where is this going is he gonna get or Mills and Somerset going to get killed? Like, what is going on? So what was it like, I guess, for you the first time you saw it, if you remember? Okay. I got, I got, a, I got a big – I got a story behind the first time I saw it. All right, so, let's hear it. So the first time I saw it 
was when I was sick in high school. And for the listeners who know me, like I was bedridden for about two months in my grade 11 year and like just laying in bed all day. Like I, the most exercise I would get was getting out of bed and walking to the couch. And I made a goal of watching three movies a day and I would, and you know, I didn't, three movies is a little bit of an exaggeration. I hit it sometimes, but I would go through the IMDB top 100s and I would try to watch like the greatest movies ever. And of course, seven mm-hmm. like came up. I watched and I watched seven while I was sick going through the great movies. And I remember like watching it. And after I was done, I remember being like, I can't watch a movie after this. Like I need to, I'm switching to video games because like, I need to get my mind off of what I just saw. Like it's almost more disturbing that almost all of the violence in this movie takes place off screen. And it Uh leaves it up to the viewer to like imagine and picture everything that took place in like the murders and stuff like and this, by the way, this is a tactic used very well in the show Mindhunter, who I, I would suggest this show to all of the viewers watch, like listening to this. Sorry, the listeners listening to this, which is, and David Fincher is also an executive producer on that. And like, mm-hmm. it, it makes me think like, not everything that's beautiful makes you feel good, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Art can be great without making you happy. Like, the point is to resonate and to be thought provoking and make you think twice about the way you look at things. And uh, this story does it really well. But if this is, if you want to watch a movie that'll make you laugh or have a good time, don't watch this movie. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, for me, like, uh, like, I love this movie and for some reason I watch it all the time. Maybe that's just the weirdo in me, but like that is the weirdo in you. (laughs) I love this movie. I love David Fincher movies. This movie was the beginning of his run. And I'll give you some David Fincher movies. I think are like his best ones are like seven gone girl, social network, fight club, mank Zodiac, the girl with the dragon tattoo. You can go on. If you've ever seen a David Fincher movie, his themes are very the same. He he's obsessed with the idea of pervert perverts in the world, that everyone is a pervert. I've watched interviews on him. He's super weird, dude. He's super demanding as a director. He he's famous for doing shots of scenes like 50 times, even the most simplest scene. I read something on this movie. I'm just going to say it. Brad Pitt like was done after he was broken after this movie. He broke Jake Gyllenhaal Zodiac. He broke oh. uh, Gary Oldman in and Mank. He's broken. Really? Yeah. He broke people during these movies. He's everyone who's done this movie is like, wow, I cannot believe the process we just went through during this movie. And this movie. That's insane. Is so it's so great. Like it's so, I've also never watched it with anyone. I don't know. That's kind of weird. Like I've literally watched <laughs> it alone every single time. Seen it probably six You're or seven definitely times. definitely a psychopath. Super weird. And on it being relevant now, 
do you think it's it's still relevant in 2021 now like what it says about society and stuff or do you think it's it's stuck in 1995 past what do you think on that it's definitely relevant like uh what what the movie has to say about apathy and like Mm. people just losing track of the bigger picture and just choosing to like I don't, I don't know, like choosing ignorance and the bliss in ignorance instead of choosing to be more conscious about the world. That definitely still resonates today. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and then go back to Fincher. His movies get like shunned at the Academy Awards. He's been nominated like twice in his whole career. That's ridiculous. It's That's ridiculous. absolutely ridiculous. This movie, which is his first blockbuster great movie. Like seven's his first movie and it got nominated for, like I said earlier, the film editing. So Brad Pitt and Gam nominated Morgan Freeman, Spacey himself, the score, no one got nominated, but it's so culty. This movie has a cult fall or his, his discography has such a cult following. I'm part of that. I watch his movies all the time. And I love them and they're so creepy and weird. And like, I just love them. I just think they're awesome. But why do you think this movie or his brand of movies, the Academy just doesn't like? You know, Ben, I'm, I'm not the intellectual film connoisseur to be asking these kind of questions. But if you want my answer, I'll tell you that the Academy is just run by old white dudes. And that's why they love movies made about the Holocaust, you know? Like I, this might not be a movie. This isn't a movie tailored towards that specific audience. This isn't an Oscar bait movie. And that I bet you that's the reason that it fell through the cracks. Old white dudes so, just didn't feel for it. The Academy also does this thing where like, if you play a portrayal of someone else, like you do a biography movie, you're on like automatically going to win the Oscar for yeah, best. Yeah, they got a boner for the base yeah. story thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, huge erection for those movies. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to touch on a couple, any other big things you want to discuss before I move into the categories. I got a couple things I want to touch on, but I'm going to leave that up to you first. No, nah, man, I don't got, I don't have anything. So I'd love to hear what you got to say. All right, here I go. I really went out, went all out on this, but. Oh, it's going to be great. Back to my Fincher, like, love. So he is really obsessed with colors, and he has a palette of colors in all of his movies. I've read some articles on him that they he, his, his nickname in Hollywood is he's the Prince of Darkness. Interesting. And he's a – in this movie, it's dark. Like, just yes. the actual color of the movie is just dark. Yes. It's either dark or gold in this movie. This movie – I don't know why. Maybe you'll have an answer for this, but like it's either pitch black or there's gold everywhere. Gold, gold, gold colors, gold colors. And then this is a contrast between the dark colors that Pitt and Freeman wear on their costumes, pretty basic white and black cops and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And the costume that Spacey wears at the end where he is the orange jumpsuit and he's almost trying to stand out as a person. And I think that's really significant in Fincher's movies. If you've ever seen any of Fincher's movies, he's obsessed with 
colors like his cut co- like you can tell each movie has a color and this movie for me it's either white and black so dark can't see anything or gold or gold and i don't know yeah. if you have anything maybe why that is i i i got nothing for you but i definitely yeah. like i concur like it is a very very dark movie like i'm i'm yes it's a dark movie but like i mean like color wise like the way it's shot like it's it's like the gluttony crime scene like it's almost so dark you can like it's so poorly lit you can't even like see anything and then like detective somerset morgan freeman's character like comes back and visits the scene and all this he he makes a point of like turning on all the lights so (laughs) yes what's going on in there and that's when they find the gluttony clue anyway keep going bro and and then the last thing i'm going to touch on is the significance of rain in this movie here i go very happy you're touching on this rain in this movie is almost all the time and rain is to give a dread atmosphere is to give an atmosphere that our life sucks and it's a cycle of life that'll never ever ever end Mm-hmm. And then as soon as Spacey gets out, fuck you, Spacey gets out of the cab. Yep. Sunshine, and it's sunshine the rest of the film. Yeah. So why do you think rain is so predominant in this movie, other than the things that I would that I said? Well, like I think one of the f- themes of the film is just dread, and yep. like the. Uh, what the despair of it all you know it's a it's a dark like tragic movie and like i'm again i don't want to touch on the like categories too much but like the 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 use of rain and the sound of rain even when they're inside it it does a fantastic job of like portraying the theme of just dread and overwhelming sadness throughout the film, the environment. It's, it's, it, it's hard to watch. It's one of the reasons that I only watched this movie one time. Okay. Like it's, <laughs> it, it, okay. yeah. All right. Real quick, before we get into the categories, what's your favorite Fincher film? Favorite Fincher, Fincher film film. Jeez. Social network. I would say, you know, seven is probably the best David Fincher film, but like if somebody like came over and was like, yo, let's watch something by David Fincher. I would say, let's put on social network. Yeah. My favorite's Gone Girl. I would, <laughs> Gone Girl's my favorite. And if someone came into the room and was like, what Fincher movie do you want to watch? I'm like, Gone Girl. Movie's insane. Oh, oh, <laughs> what if it's a female, dude? The my parents movie's told great. me rightfully so, Gone Girl is the worst date movie of all time. And they're right. They're, it's absolutely true. <laughs> I think it sparks great conversation. It's a great conversation starter. Anyways. Oh god. I might do Gone Girl on another podcast. Honestly, no one likes that movie except for me. I might do it alone. <laughs> Anyways, we're gonna take a quick break. Be right back. All right, here we go with category one. We're going to dive into the Mount Rushmore. 
which is the top four scenes of the movie. So I'm going to give my top four. And if you, if you have anything to add on to, which I didn't add on to, please do. And then we're going to come up with the winner. All right, here's my first scene. Is the library scene with Freeman. He's at the library. He, he's looking into the seven sins, all that stuff. And then it also shows Pitt doing his research on all the work. And there's really no dialogue in the movie or in the scene, sorry. And it's straight score undertoning it. And it's, it's just a really good scene. I don't know. Do you think that scene's good? Absolutely. No, no, library. I didn't have that on my list, but that's that's a nominee for sure. I love that scene. Okay. Second scene I have is the dinner scene. This is where uh, Doc, our Detective Somerset shows up and he is he meets Paul Tro and and they and they talk about you know everything and why they've moved there. And then I also bleed that scene into kind of where Pitt and Freeman are discussing kind of what they've seen so far. And then they talk about gold or uh, the lawyer that passes away and they, and they discuss, you know, if you're a woman, you shouldn't yell help because no one will answer you. You should yell fire. That scene is, is, is beautiful in my opinion. I think it's a really good character scene. It really, it really shows, Freeman's maturity and Pritt's, uh, sorry, Pitt's usefulness. And, and, and also like, quite honestly, that's something like every, everybody should know, like if, uh, like don't ever yell. And he's talking, he's talking about rape in that instance. Like don't ever uh-huh. yell rape. Like don't ever yell help, like yell fire. Like more people are, people are more inclined to help if there's a fire, like that's, I remember telling people about that after I watched the movie and that's, that's a very, that's important. People, people should know about that, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So my third scene is the chase scene in which I call it yeah. is when John Doe meet or finally like encounters um, Mills and Somerset and he shoots them. And then, you know, Mills is chasing him through it's a great action scene. It's it's the only like real action scene in the movie. It's it's unbelievable. It's it's such a great scene to watch. I feel on the edge of my seat the entire time I watch it, even though I've seen it, you know, countless times. Yeah, no. I'm I'm with you. Like, yes, all the way. Like the chase scene, I had that in one of my nominees. Like, that's just a great action set piece. In, exactly. Like, in, a, in a drama thriller movie, like yeah, that that's a better action set piece than a lot of action movies have. Like <laughs> exactly. I, I, I got love for that scene. That's a great scene. Okay. And then I have the end. So like is the car scene plus when they show up to the field and they and they find out, you know, who's in the box and all that. I have that as one scene. Is that okay with you? Like, I don't know. I have that as one scene. I, you could make an argument that it's, you know, it's two different set pieces, but for my, you know, list, I have it as one scene. No, that's, that's fair. 
I, I, I'm cool with that. I'm cool you're, with you're cool with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm cool with the whole them three characters being together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that, yeah. That's okay. Good. That's good. Okay, so I'm so my winner is the end scene. All that. That's my winner. So that's my favorite scene. So I want you to put into any nominees you have, and then what's your favorite scene in the entire movie? Okay. So my my nominees for the award. Uh, sorry, no, no, no. My nominees for Mount Rushmore are the bar scene where like uh morgan freeman and brad pitt i feel like we learn a lot about those characters when they're just sitting at the bar drinking a beer talking Uh about the city and why they're doing their job and what i i love that scene i don't know Um, man i see it more as a as a moment rather than scene but I guess we could really argue what a, what a scene in a moment is. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, that's definitely, I don't know. It's, it's a little ambiguous what a scene is and what a moment is. Like, it's, well, that, that's a debate for a whole other podcast. But, like, yeah. so that one, I have the reveal scene. And by the reveal scene, I mean, like, when uh, John Doe walks into the precinct and he's like yelling at them. He's like, "Detective!" <laughs> like that. Like when we see John Doe for the first time. Like, I think that's a. I think that's an amazing scene. Um, the couch scene. Like when they're like after they do the fingerprint analysis, and the guy's like, "Oh, you guys gotta wait a little while. Like this could take like a day or two. And they're just like sitting on the couch, like exhausted, talking to each other. Like I love that scene. I think that's awesome. Well, I don't, I don't want to step on something that we're gonna get into later, another category. But love that scene. Um, the diner scene when Tracy and Detective Somerset like sit down together, and they talk out like. Like, cause Tracy seeks him out. It's like, yo, you're the only person that I could talk to in this city. Like, I love that scene. Really? Talking about, yes, yes. I don't know. Like, like I'm going to get into it later, but uh, I, I'm, I'm hot and cold. I'm really torn on that scene. If I really like it, some days I like it. Sometimes I watch it and I'm like, ah, Gwyneth Paltrow just doesn't do it for me. No, 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 no. Like that that's that's bro i like that the what we learn about like just learning about the characters of tracy and morgan Freeman, like and, and detective somerset like that you're not gonna change my mind on that that's that's a great scene and i also have uh yeah i also had the chase sequence that's obviously we already touched on that but i think the clear winner of like i i think the best scene in this movie has to be like the end yeah like, like the this last is, this is, yeah this the is last one of 25 minutes endings of like any movie really mm-hmm. like this is an all it's an all-time great movie with like this is in the pantheon of endings of movies like this is yeah I 
I can't stress enough. The I don't want to say the ending makes the movie, but like it does. There you go. It, it, it's it, it's the last 20, 20 minutes or so where they're in the car and they're interrogating um, John Doe to the when they go into the you know open field is what makes the movie um, unbelievable. Yeah, I like. I don't think there's going to be much debate on this category. Like mm-hmm. the way that like this movie's ending is. I, I, you know what? It, it is the best part. I don't, I don't, it, it's hard to pick out a best scene in this movie, but the ending really is. Yes. Like, it, I think it, it is. It is for me. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go into the second category, which is what still works. Okay. So I think the opening credits are really cool. So when, you know, the opening credits is, is to this nine inch nail song, it's really eerie and it's really, creepy and then it also shows john doe's character you know doing his work he's writing in his notebooks he's he's you know cutting his nails and and all that weird stuff that you find out kind of after you've seen it a few times yeah yeah it's really good uh i also have the score it's beautiful it's it's eerie, it's creepy, it's an undertone of the entire movie, which I would go into the storytelling. And David Fincher is, is really, really good at psychological thrillers. And this is one of his, if not the best psychological thriller he has, where it's, it's on the borderline of a horror movie, but it's, yeah, it's, it's it, not no. quite there. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm with you on that. You know, this movie does even work as a horror movie, you know, like yeah. with all the subtle imagery, like with all the things that they leave up to the viewer and stuff. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And the score is undertoned throughout, I don't know, maybe probably 90% of the film. It's great. Um, I also have the cinematography. It's mm. beautiful. There's some amazing shots, which I'm going to get into later, but it's, it's, it's beautifully done. There's some great, you know, you, you show this shot in film school and you really talk about it kind of shots. You know True. I mean? Yeah. Um, I also have the Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman in a movie together dynamic. You know, those are two a list actors. You don't, Usually you have one and then another one is like, you know, who is this person kind of, kind of film. And then you have, and then you have the firecracker of Pitt, the youthfulness of, of detective Mills, where he's a, you know, he's a young kid. He's just, he, yeah, he's just he's making, a hothead. yeah, he's a hothead. And you have the calm, the cool, the collected Freeman. It's, it's beautiful the, together. The two of them together, the duality of it like it's, yes it's great it's perfect yep it's, it's perfect i don't know like i wish they had done more together um fincher's obsession with perverts which i talked about earlier perverts and his color palette which i also talked about earlier um and then the power of silence so there's the scene where uh detective mills 
breaks down the door into his own office and he and he sees Somerset. And he's just like, "Whoa, this is yeah. What are you what are you doing here?" And that whole little moment, you might call it a scene, a moment, whatever, whatever you want to discuss is a scene. They're it's really awkward. It's really quiet, and they and they're really kind of like, uh, who's in power here? That moment is really, really powerful. And there's a lots of moments of silence during the movie that I really, really like. And I think it's powerful. Like saying, not saying words and underscoring it, underscoring it with a good, you know, score is really powerful. Um, go into the classic. David Fincher, he'll have one jump scare per movie in the psychological thriller. So when you know you see the drug dealer, you know, corpse, and you think he's dead, like that guy's been there for a year, and then he just pops and he's alive, and it's like, whoa, scared the crap out of me the first time I saw it. <laughs> the first time I was like, holy, and then you know, it happened. You know, it scared me again, I don't know, the fourth or fifth time because I honestly forgot about it. But that's a David Fincher. He does that a lot. He'll scare you. That's once his a, trademark. That's yeah. his trademark. Once a movie, he'll, like, hit you with a with a jump scare, like, whoa. But then he doesn't do it again because it's not a horror film. Because horror films, they hit you with, you know, three, four, five of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, we You talked about the, the diner sequence. I don't mind it. I like it. I think it's really good. I think it could be even better if Paltrow was just a better actress at the time. But oh I also, my god! But I but I think it's a great Freeman uh, sequence talking about like you know why he isn't who he is and why he's so lonely and and blah 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 blah. I think it's 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 great. Um, there's a little shot of Brad Pitt eating chips or some sort of you know yeah chips that's that's been a brad pitt trademarks you know forever he's always eating something in a movie i saw he's always eating dude dude. i saw a tiktok of a minute little thing of him just eating in every movie he's in he's eating (laughs) chips popcorn (laughs) ice cream whatever this guy loves to eat i don't know if that's in every movie he's yes. in, he's eating something. Like Yeah, exactly. And another thing I have is the building villain of John Doe. Um just the, the storytelling and the building and the score, and it, you're just building and building and building to this character that you've never met or you've never seen until the very you know the end, the last 20 minutes is powerful and you never see him commit the murders it's always off screen it's just so it's different it's it's something you've never seen before at that time um brad pitt as an actor he makes this movie funny he has some scene he has some quotes and some scenes in this movie that are like made me laugh out loud that you know should not be funny but just i don't know he makes me laugh i don't know about you but he he really makes me laugh in this movie and i think it adds a different layer to the movie because it's such a serious topic and that you need 
humor in any great movie at some point or else it's it's not a great movie in my opinion interesting because like i think this is a really hard movie to laugh at and like i there i i guess there is some elements of humor and most of them are driven by like detective mills and like Brad it's, Pitt's character, but it's like, it's I don't know. it's it's situational humor is what I would call it. Like, if you just say his lines randomly, you're like, yeah, that's not funny. But like, if you've seen the movie, you see where the characters are at, you see the situation that's around them, it's it's funny. And I All think right. and I think Brad Pitt makes that funny. Maybe, right. it, yeah. Okay. All right. I could get behind that. I guess. Um, so there's a scene where Brad Pitt, after the chase scene we talked about, he breaks down the door and he's like, we want a warrant. And Freeman's like, no, 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 we can't have a warrant because, uh, you know, if they found out why we have a warrant, we're going to be in jail because it's illegal and all yeah. that. And they, and they find, okay, we have this much money. We're going to pay a random off the street to say, this is why we have a warrant to the police. Super yeah. funny. I, I love that, like, his reaction as soon as, like, uh, Detective Somerset is, like, pointing out all of the, like, wrong things that they're doing by busting out of the door. Like, D- Detective Bill's, like, gut instinct is to be, like, how much money do we have? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. They, um, there they go, paying off a witness, just, like, on par with the freaking precinct that they have. Ah. <sighs> I don't know, like, this moment, I don't think it's a scene, but I really love this moment from a filmmaking perspective is the moment where they're interrogating the uh, the guy who runs the prostitution, you know, place and the guy who Ugh. ends up having the metal penis or whatever. Oh, my God. That scene... I don't know. It's it's hard to watch, but as a filmmaking, it's beautiful. There's a couple of really good shots... It's like it's really good acting from Pitt and Freeman. I don't, I might be stretching on this, but I really like that little, you know, three minute moment. I don't know about you. Oh, you know, oh my God, that was that that scene where they like they get the witnesses to explain like the lust murder, like yeah. Oh, I'm I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling upset to my stomach just thinking about it. Like that was one of the, that was probably the most hard to watch scene in the movie for me. Like that was that was um that's interesting. I'm feeling sick just thinking about it, man. Like it's that's... one of my favorite little moments. I don't know. It's oh, funny. you're you're no, no, no. that's you're a psycho. You're it's a psychopath. Fun. That's messed up, bro. It's, that's it, messed it, up. It's probably because I just love the acting in it, I guess, and how oh. they shoot it, and 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 they have a long shot of it and all that. But yeah, no, 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 no. Next category. Oh, wait, okay. I haven't even, I haven't yeah, even yeah. gone on this category yet. Oh, what do you like about this? Are, are you done? Is that is that is that your last one? Yep, that's my. Oh, last thank one. God, thank God. All right. <laughs> okay, what still works? Um. So I had I had the pacing of this movie, okay. just because it's 
it's done so well like mm-hmm. you're there's not you know there's not too much action in this movie there's no violence yet like you're on the edge of your seat this entire movie there's no dull moments in this movie like you're constantly invested and there's no like slow parts even though i guess it is i i I hesitate to even call this a slow movie just because it's so gripping and Mm -hmm. like even at like towards the halfway point when you think it's kind of gonna start to hit a lull like john doe just shows up and like starts shooting at the at the detectives and like there's this big chase sequence and it really picks up like i think the pacing in this movie is just excellent i think it's perfectly done Mm -hmm. um i also enjoyed the sound editing in this movie like you kind of touched on it earlier but it's like the use of silence like Mm -hmm. the audio uh the the use of rain in this movie like hearing the rain outside constantly you can even hear rain when they're inside sometimes like it's uh it's it's beautiful man like it's a beautiful it's a beautiful movie to listen to even though it might it might not be like a happy kind of thing like it's just uh it's it's really touching and it, it really resonates. It hits home. Uh, I also had the city. I really liked that they made the city kind of like an ambiguous setting for this uh-huh. movie. Like, because I think the point of this movie is that this could happen anywhere in like North America, really, but like anywhere in the world. Like, this. This is the kind of thing that could take place in any city where like people just lose track of what really matters in the greater mm-hmm. sense of things, you know? And like it's a scary thing to think about, but like that's the whole point of this movie is it's, it's the realism of it. Like this mm-hmm. could really happen and I'm glad that they made it ambiguous because if they just put this in like Chicago or like New York, then like the viewer could think like, ah, oh, nah, this wouldn't happen here or whatever. Like, no, this could happen anywhere. Like, but like, really what still works, I just kind of thought of this, like, is they left Kevin Spacey's, like, going into this movie, like watching the intro credits, they leave Kevin Spacey's name out. Yeah. And... I noticed when I was doing research for like Freaks and Geeks later, like I watched the trailer for this movie and in the trailer, they show the scene where Brad Pitt, sorry, Detective Mills and Detective Somerset are on the phone. They pick up the phone at John Doe's house and John Doe speaks to them. And in the trailer, they change the voice. Like it's not Mm. Kevin Spacey's voice in the trailer. So like, you go into this movie having no idea who the villain is. And I think that's something that's lost in 21st century, like culture, like with the age of the internet and all that people can just look up on their phones, like, Oh, who's going to be in this movie and whatnot. Like, yeah. 
you really have no idea that Kevin Spacey, fuck Kevin Spacey, is going to be in this movie until he, like, shows up. And his name doesn't show up until the end credits. Like, yeah, I, I feel like that's a trick that more movies nowadays could utilize. And I'm, I'm disappointed that that's not, like, a focal point in more movies being made especially movies with a twist like yeah i i really enjoyed that and i wish that was used more today no i i agree it is the only thing i would say it's it's hard i guess with the internet now and social media how crazy it is you say anything and people are going to really look into it yeah can't get away with anything you nowadays. can't get away with anything yeah so is that so what's your what's the best thing that still works for you Jeez, I don't know. Out of uh, you know, my my favorite is probably the one I just came up with now. Like the leaving <laughs> the leaving the cliffhanger character until the very end. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I like that. Yeah, I would say that too. But if I had to point one, that'd probably be the storytelling, the the buildup of the psychological thriller. I think it's Word. really 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 well done. Of course. Okay, we're gonna go into category three. The cringe moments. So for me, all the deaths and the the bodies and all that stuff, it's it's really hard to like look at and, and watch those little moments. It's yes. It's it's hard to look at. Um Kevin Spacey being in this movie is a huge yikes. It's a huge uh, I just can't believe I wish it was someone else now. Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge thing. Uh, they use the R word and the F word in this movie. Uh, Very glad you touched on that. One, one mo, or uh, one of each. They use that. It's, it's really has not aged very well. I don't know if it's Morgan Freeman's just how he talks or how they filmed it, but there's a few moments where it's, it's hard to hear. It's like, what did you just say? And you have obviously I've seen it numerous times so it's i pick it up but i think it's quiet at some points that's right and then my last thing is when john doe he calls the his own place and detective mills picks up the phone and all that it's it's clearly kevin spacey's voice if you've ever seen him in a movie it's like yeah that's him i even noticed it first time i watched it and the second time Maybe it's just because I'm such a movie connoisseur, but it's clearly obvious that it's him on the phone. I don't know. Okay, hold up. So, like, your cringe moment is that, like, John Doe didn't use a voice changer? Like, yes. Well, or it's just like, if, if you want to make, if David Fincher wants to make a big plot twist at the end that it's Kevin Spacey as John Doe, why don't, can you? Like uh, Kevin Spacey's right, voice right. is so clearly it's him. Alright, I'm not I'm not all the way tapped in on that, but okay, sure, I'll take uh, it. Do you have any cringe moments you want to bring up or anything like that? This is tough, man. Like, I find myself having a hard time defining like what cringe means, like in the scope of this podcast. Like we. We had this discussion on the super bad episode. Like, so 
as because this movie was just so hard to watch for me like the whole way through so i just put like every time kevin spacey's in the movie because yeah. fuck kevin spacey yeah okay so that's your number one there yes that is my i mean there is this is such a great film that like there aren't any like big gaffes filmmaking wise or like anything like that like it's just it's just fuck kevin spacey bro that's all it is (laughs) yep okay so we're gonna go into category number four which is who is the most dateable person and why i'm gonna i'm gonna let you take this one do you who do who do you think is the most dateable person oh okay all right uh i i only have one nominee for this award and it's gwyneth paltrow it's yes tracy Tracy. yes no like she's just she's such a she's such a good partner to brad Mm -hmm. pitt or detective mills like she's she's so supportive Mm -hmm. of him like she's she's a grade school teacher yep and she has a real like consciousness for not only everything detective mills is doing but like the environment that surrounds them this is i feel like this is going to lead into uh uh more of what we're going to talk about but like I I also feel like Gwyneth Paltrow is somebody that would win this award in most of the movies that she's in. So I'm gonna have to give this one to her. The the character Tracy. That's who wins the most dateable character for me. I feel that yeah, I agree. Tracy is the only dateable character because she's the only character in this entire movie that you that is sunshine or like you feel for or that you right. Like, you'd want to be the, with the only other character i feel like is applicable is somerset but like somerset explains why he's not dateable in this movie so yeah like, i feel like it's just one clear-cut winner here i i don't even like gwyneth paltrow that much in this movie but her character is yeah see, as I, tracy I, I don't know, bro. Gwyneth Paltrow, I I love her. I love her in this movie. I I I think you're tripping on that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, she's the only one that I would want to date in this movie. There's not that many dateable characters in this movie. Yeah. Okay. So moving to the fifth category of what's up with that, where we talk about plot holes or any questions we have about the movie. So I'm gonna ask you, how long do you think John Doe really planned this entire scheme out that's tough that's tough because like so he's a he's a really smart dude he's definitely an intellectual yes at, at some level he i mean the notebooks you think about the notebooks like those must have taken years and years to write okay hold up hold up the i i just had this thought the sloth character Uh that like they found him his original picture was taken one year to the day Uh that the officers actually found him so like this must have 
these series of murders must have been like years in preparation. Yes. I, w- well, I would the, say like a couple of years, three, three, four years. Well, three, the notebooks years. that he writes and uh, Detective Somerset goes, like, if we had enough men, like, it would take us, you know, if we all read in 24 hour shifts or whatever, it would take us forever. Like, this guy, serial killers, yeah. serial killers don't come up with these sort of things, you know, in, in days. It, it takes years to do these things. Yo, to quote Mindhunter, Ed Kemper says, only the bad serial killers get caught. Yep. So, and, and John Doe didn't get caught. He gave himself up. Yeah. So, this yeah. was, this was definitely years in the making. Had to be. Yeah. Okay. So another question I have is, so there's a scene right after the gluttony scene where Freeman and Pitt are in with the, you know, the head detective or whatever. and The, the captain. Head, yeah, the captain. The, the captain says, you know, Mills, you're not ready for this and all that. And then the next day, Mills is at the scene of the crime. Is that why is he there if he if he's not ready? Is he there because they don't think it's connected, or is that a plot hole or or what? What do you think? You're you're talking about the greed murder, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, like to play devil's advocate, like I mean, there's greed on the floor and blood, right? Yeah. So like. You could you a reasonable person would be like, oh, this one says greed, this one says gluttony, like these are these two, these are two of the seven deadly sins, like these need to be linked in some way. But like at the same time, I feel like I'm advocating for the competence of this police force. Mm -hmm. And I just I just don't think that that's all the way there. Like I don't know if this this police unit could really put two and two together like that so i don't i don't know i don't know why i don't know why mills was assigned i, that I think he was just assigned to that case or that like little murder because i don't think they knew that it had anything to do with little the previous murder. Murder. yeah that little murder i guess <laughs> i don't know okay Another thing that really bothers me is is Mills, he, he runs out of somewhere and he runs into his car and he gets a package and it's pouring rain. He gets a package from somebody and it's it ends up being a couple books on the deadly sins and he opens he opens his window to get the package and it's pouring rain. He gets the package, he opens it, he opens it, all that. And as he's opening it and reading the little things, he doesn't close his window and it's pouring rain into his vehicle. Like if that was me, that's the first thing I would do is I would get the package, close the window and then open it and read, you know, whatever. I don't know why he, the first instinct doesn't have is close the window, bro. It's, it's pouring rain. I, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe Brad Pitt like fucked up in that scene. It bothers me, dude. I yo, I, I'm surprised that your nitpick out of that scene isn't like who sent the books? Like 
what the hell that's never explained like how some cop just shows up drops him some books and that's never questioned like what what's up with that yeah okay and then at the dinner scene pit paltrow freeman they're all chilling and they're all drinking wine so if paltrow's character is pregnant which you find out later why is she drinking wine isn't that something you don't do yeah that that makes sense that makes yeah, sense you only what's can't... up with that what's up with what's that? up with that what's up with that so uh after the dinner scene pitt and freeman you know figure out other stuff and they're doing copy things and then they go to see the lawyer's wife who had passed away and they show her pictures and, and crime scene pictures of her husband. And all they put is a sticky note over him to like, to like, you know, hide him. And all she can do is just, you know, lift it up. Why did they do that? Because it's not like they're just blurring the dude out of the picture. Like she could just, it's so easy to like, Oh, I can see what it is. Why did they think that would be like, you know, some sort of block. I don't know why. I have no idea. I got, I got, I got nothing. I got nothing. Like you think sticky notes are going to be this ultimate block. I don't know why. <laughs> What's up with that, man? What's up with that, dude? I don't know. And then we, you touched on this earlier. Like, where is this set? Like, where's the movie? Like, where are we in this movie? And you touched about it, this ambiguous city and, it really isn't anywhere, but after I asked myself this question, where is it said, I saw a little shot when they're in the pizza parlor and it, it says New York pizza. So I think it's mm. in New York. I think it is in New York, but I really like your idea of that. It could be anywhere. That's a better idea. Okay. So interesting. Interesting. John Doe shoots at, Somerset and Mills, and then oh, we they got run. more. We got more. Okay. I got more. I got two more. They sh- he shoots at them, and they run through the apartments and all that. And and uh, John Doe runs through people's apartments to like g- jump through windows and get through places. Mm-hmm. And Mills gets to an apartment, um, and there's these kids, and the kids like, yeah, he just went that way, and they're super unfazed, and their TV is still on. And they're super like, yeah, some random dude just ran through a place. But, yeah, they're that way. And they're young kids. Why aren't they, like, what the hell just happened? Some creepy dude just ran through a place. I don't know why. That's some horrible acting, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> if I was, you know, 10, 10, 11 years old and some dude with a hat and a gun ran through my house, clearly going somewhere. I would be more phased. You wouldn't snitch on him? Is that what you're saying? I would, but I would be clearly more like, uh, like so phased. Like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and I guess, like, like, does it, I don't remember. Like, you tell me. You watch this movie hella times. Like, does Brad Pitt like show them his badge? Like, no. how do they know? No. Yeah. How do they he- know he's not? 
a murderer chasing some innocent guy. Like he just he just goes he just kind of uh, is like you know he just kind of shows like he just says to the kid like where where did the guy go? He doesn't really show a badge. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. My last one for what's up with that is when the taxi driver drops off John Doe at the end of the movie at the cop shop. Uh, what? How does the taxi driver not know that this dude is covered in blood and why doesn't like how is he just so casual and dropping this? Okay, okay, hold up, hold up. This is, I think this is the only one that I'm gonna push back on. Okay, because Somerset testifies to like how apathetic everybody is in the city and how like shitty of a place this is nobody asks questions nobody wants to know anything like i feel like that's very telling of like the setting and the environment that they're in that like any given taxi driver wouldn't give a shit if somebody just hopped into their cab covered in blood like they would just take them to where they want to go and like quite honestly like this guy covered in blood hops in the cab and is just like, I want to go to the police precinct. Like, what is this guy going to do? Call the cops and say like, Hey, some dude covered in blood wants me to drive him to the police precinct. What do I do? Like that crooked ass police institution is probably just going to be like, Oh, well then drive him here. Like, what's the problem? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that scene whatsoever. Sorry. Sorry, dude. Okay, fine. I just think the taxi driver is, like, really naive. I don't know. Like, open your eyes, bud. Yeah, okay, well, so I had, a, I had lots of what's up with that. Do you have anything you want to add on? Um, so I, I didn't – I really only had one. I didn't have as many as you. My, my biggest what's up with that is – Gwyneth Paltrow, sorry, Tracy and Detective Mills buy an apartment mm-hmm. that vibrates and is like right under the subway. And like they talk about they only see this place for five minutes at a time. The realtor only came in for five minutes at a time. Yeah. Neither of them were wise to that. Like Detective Mills, like maybe. All right. Like, okay, that makes sense. But Tracy. Tracy, like, I expect more out of Tracy. Like, come really? on. Like, you want to see that place for more than five minutes. I like, expect, come on. Dude, I expect more out of Detective Mills. He's a detective. You yeah, think he would be but able to he's a hothead. He's kind of childish. Like, he probably went in there and was just like, oh, yeah, this place is great. I'm, I'm cool with this. Like, I just want to be in this city. Blah, blah, blah. Like, he probably never thought twice about it. But Tracy! Crazy. Okay, fine, fine, fine. So that that's your only thing you have for what's up with that? Yeah, that, that's my that's my what's up with that. Oh, I agree. With, I don't know. The most annoying thing for me in this movie is when it's definitely when Mills gets that package and he doesn't roll up his window. That's just annoys me. And it's just raining in his car. Like so if, if, talk that up with Brad Pitt next time. If that was him, me, right? the first thing I do is you know roll up my window. I don't want rain coming i don't know that just bugs me it just annoys me about this movie anyways it must be a pretty good movie if that's your biggest what's exactly. up with that just exactly. it. it's a great movie anyways we'll take a quick break 
and we'll get back into category number six. Okay, we're back with category six, Freaks and Geeks, where we're going to completely nerd out with camera angles, weird quirks about the movie, and whatever else you can find that's weird about the movie. I got a lot for this movie, actually. <laughs> this movie's got great, great stuff in it. So there's a shot where the media is running towards the attorneys to get an interview after the lawyer's death. And it, it's a great shot. It's a shot about the impact of media having on the world. And David Fincher really likes his media. Like he really likes using media in lots of movies. It's a great shot of the attorneys coming towards the media to answer questions. Great shot. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but Gwyneth Paltrow and Brad Pitt were dating at the time of the movie. I and, didn't know that. And, and David Fincher had to get Brad Pitt to convince Gwyneth Paltrow to do the movie because she did not want to at the beginning. Interesting. Yeah. All right. I'm going to give you some casting what-ifs. Originally, Denzel Washington was casted as the role of David Mills. No. And Harrison, then Harrison Ford was casted as Somerset. What do you think that movie is if Denzel is in Brad Pitt's role and Harrison Ford is in Morgan Freeman's role? Dang. Um, honestly, I think that, uh, wow. I wasn't expecting that. I would love Denzel to be in the movie as Detective Mills. That would be insane. Oh yes. <laughs> Except the thing is, is, I would rather pair him with Morgan Freeman than with uh, Harrison, Ford. Harrison Ford because like I don't know man the potential for some incredible black jokes making fun of white people like oh my god that would be amazing that's wow that's the movie so, so Denzel he rejected the role because he thought it was too dark and it was like it wasn't going to do very well wow and he and he admitted to yeah I regret that it, it's done very well it would have been interesting. I think it would be weird. It would be interesting, but it would, I would watch it, obviously. I'm very happy that Morgan Freeman got the role instead of Harrison Ford, though. I will say that. Yeah. But Denzel? I agree. Oh. Oof. Dang. I, yeah. Okay. My next one is there's a, sh a great shot of Morgan Freeman. He's looking at the picture of greed, and then and it reflects back to his glasses. You know what you know what I'm talking. About? It's in the dinner scene almost. Mm. It's a great. It's like a two second. You blink and you miss it shot. I love that shot. The shot of Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. They're laying on the couch and they're just like yes. sleeping. Yeah, it's iconic. Yeah. It's iconic. Uh, the yeah, the one you put on your story the other day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unreal, great one, great oh. shot. Love that. There's a great shot of John Doe gun up to mills and the gun is pressed against his head and the water mm. is turns suddenly turns into slow motion dripping down him and it's a surreal shot in a really realistic movie great shot great mm. shot mm -hmm. apparently i read in this 
in the whole chase scene, there's this, there's that little part where Brad Pitt like slips and falls on like, I don't know what it is, like a dumpster maybe or something. Apparently that actually happened and they just kept it in the movie and he got like really hurt, but they kept yeah. that in the movie. <laughs> they kept, that wasn't like, that wasn't written in the script, but he just like was running and slipped and fell. Yeah. More on that later. Yep. A great shot. There's a great shot when Mills is in Doe's apartment and he's walking into, I don't know, a room where Mills has hung his Polaroids of all of his people he's met. And it's just red. It's really red. And it's, it's a great shot of him looking up at the Polaroid thinking of what is going on here. And it's this red, gloomy, darkness, bloody feeling in the movie. Great shot. There's a pan shot of um, doctor, or, uh, Detective Somerset in one room and Detective Mills in the other room after they have both finished their separate interrogations. And it's just a pan shot of them both looking very like lonely in this case, whenever and, and defeated. It's a great pan shot of the two of them. And it's, it's a long cut shot. It's, it's very well done. Um, and then the last, my last favorite shot is when Mills is standing over John Doe after he's killed him. And he's standing over him and he's shot him seven times. Empties the clip. And he empties, empties the, the clip, clip on, on him. Empties the clip on this man. And it's kind of vibrating. You can feel the tension and, and what Mills is really, really feeling. Great. And the last one I'm going to say for my freaks and geese category is my favorite. So there's a MacGuffin in this movie. And I'm going to explain to you and the listeners what a MacGuffin is. So the MacGuffin is in fiction. A MacGuffin is an object, device, or event that is necessary to the plot and the motivation of the characters, but insignificant, unimportant, or relevant in itself. Some examples of this are the Death Star in Star Wars, Rosebud in Citizen Kane, and Doug in The Hangover. And pretty much every Infinity Stone in any Marvel movie other than the Infinity War and Endgame. Yes. Yeah. That's a Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock started that, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yep. And there's a great MacGuffin in seven which would be the deadly sins are the big macguffin of the movie Interesting. that's my favorite freaky geeky thing i could find do you have anything i didn't say what do you want to touch on well first of all i'll add on to uh one of your points where like <clears throat> you talk about how like brad pitt is like chasing after john doe and he like falls like yeah. he actually like really fucked up his hand like filming the movie brad pitt like cut his hand super bad like down to the bone severed tendons like he had to wear a cast for the remainder of shooting and actually the director uh david fincher smart move wrote it into the rest of the movie so that's that's actually why he has a cast for the rest of the movie and you know, for people who are going to rewatch it after this podcast, like try to find the scenes where like uh, Detective Mills is like hiding his hand or like his, there's a scene, the 
touchdown where like his hand looks like weirdly like swollen underneath his sleeve so like that was really cool that like brad pitt went the extra mile in this movie but my uh my big freaks and geeks is like researching this movie is the studio was going to force david fincher to change the ending of this movie because they didn't like that like the bad guy would win and like they wanted Mm -hmm. some sort of like justice to prevail and they wanted tracy to survive and morgan freeman and brad pitt both threatened to walk if the ending was changed and you know it speaks volumes to brad pitt and morgan freeman that they were so stuck on no 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 this is the ending we want movie has to end we don't care what the studio has to say and quite honestly when it comes when it comes to a lot of movies i tend to side against the studio like studio interference is something i I definitely stand against in movies and I'm really, really glad that Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt stuck with the director and chose for this ending because it really makes the movie better. Absolutely. I did read that too. Um, so is that your favorite freaking geeky thing in this movie? Yes. Yes. This was, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, Ben, this movie was harder to really freaking geek on than super bad. I had a much, a better time researching super bad than I did this one. Yeah. My favorite would be the MacGuffin of this movie. I love the MacGuffins in movies. I think it's such right. a cool concept. Okay. Shout out Hitchcock. One time. Yep. We're going to go to the seventh award, the Brad Pitt award for the best quote, which is obviously named after this movie, which named my podcast. So I'm going to just list you off a bunch of quotes. I have Brad Pitt. This quote comes from Brad Pitt. He's in the car talking to Denzel. He goes, hey, man, just whoa, don't whoa, be... Whoa. Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman. No, Brad Pitt. No, Brad Pitt speaks to Morgan Freeman. You oh, said yeah. Denzel. I said Denzel? Yes. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, my bad. My bad, everybody. Anyways, Brad Pitt goes, hey, man, don't be jerking me off. That's all I ask. Don't jerk me off. Well, it makes me laugh every time. Uh, Morgan Freeman's in the library and he's talking to the librarians. He goes, I'll never understand. Yes, I have all these books. Unbelievable quote. All these books, world of knowledge at your fingertips. What do you do? You play poker all night. Morgan Freeman is talking to Pitt at the couch, I believe. And he goes, even the most promising clues only lead to other clues. Hmm. Brad Pitt gets caught by the photographer who ends up being John Doe, and he goes, Detective Mills, M-I-L-L-S, fuck off. (laughs) So funny. Only Brad Pitt makes that funny. They're at the cop shop, and Pitt goes, come on, he's insane. Look, right now, he's probably dancing in his grandma's panties, rubbing himself in peanut butter same scene pick goes he's a nutbag just because the fucker has a library card doesn't make him yoda (laughs) that's a great line that's a great line they're at the pizza parlor and they're both sitting beside each other and pit goes to freeman he goes can you at least sit across from me i don't want people thinking we're dating (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, okay, all right. Great. At the bar scene, you've talked about you love the bar scene. Freeman says, I don't think I can continue to live in a place that embraces and nurtures and apathy as if it was a virtue. Pitt is in the car. He's talking to Spacey and he goes, I've been trying to figure something out of my head. Help me out, huh? When a person is insane as you clearly are, do you know that you're insane? Maybe you're just sitting around reading guns and ammo, masturbating in your own feces. You just <laughs> stop and go, wow, it is amazing how fucking crazy I really am. Then I had the entire, I had the entire Spacey monologue, but I really quoted two things he said. Fuck that guy. He Fuck goes, Tennessee. only in a world this shitty could you even try to say these were innocent people and keep a straight face. We see a deadly sin on every street corner and every home, and we tolerate it. We tolerate it because it's common. Lastly, in the field scene what's in the box what's in the fucking box yeah yeah uh, Ernest Hemingway once wrote the world is a fine place and worth fighting for I agree with the I second agree part. with the second part all right man do you have any quote that I didn't mention or you'd really like to just touch up on okay all right so I came into this uh obviously so i came into this knowing what the winner of the brad pitt award was gonna be you know for obvious reasons i hope it's obvious to the listeners what the winner is gonna be so i came into this with an agenda and i wanted to make sure that the brad pitt award did not go to brad pitt even though, <laughs> like we all know who's gonna win this so yeah, you touched on my like one of my favorite quotes. It was like, I'll never understand all these books, a world of knowledge at your fingertips. And what do you do? Sit around and play poker all night. Um, I love at the gluttony uh, murder scene when uh, it's just a throwaway line, really. But like uh, one of the one of the investigators comes in and like lifts up the guy's head because his head is like in a bowl of spaghetti <laughs> like it's obvious to everybody in here that he's dead and like uh the investigator like pulls up his head looks at him and he goes he's dead and then like detective somerset just looks at him and goes thank you doctor <laughs> <laughs> the way that he said thank you doctor just like kills me he's like and uh you almost got it. You almost got my favorite quote of the movie. You were so close. But uh, on that scene where they're waiting for the fingerprint, they're on the couch and uh, Brad Pitt asked Morgan Freeman, like, what are we doing? This is a little bit of a, you, bear with me. This is a long quote. But Morgan Freeman says, we're just picking up the pieces, collecting all the evidence, taking all the pictures and samples, writing everything down, noting the time things happen, putting everything in a neat little pile and filing it all away on an off chance that it will ever be needed in the courtroom. Picking up diamonds on a deserted island, saving them in case we get rescued. Even the most promising clues usually only lead to others 
so many corpses roll away unrevenged. I tried my best. Like Morgan Freeman is out here dropping bars the whole movie with his wisdom. And like, it's very like Shakespearean the way, like there's rhythm to the way that he speaks. Like it's beautiful. I could obviously like Morgan Freeman's voice is like the, oh my God, this is the most beautiful thing. But we all know what the winner of this award is. Go ahead. Yo, yo, Ben, Ben, give us your, give us your best, like, Brad go ahead. Impression? My best Brad Pitt impression is. No, no, goes, no, no. Okay, go ahead. He goes. What's in the fucking box? There we go. That's that's what I. There we go. The Thank you. Movie that's what the listeners wanted. That's what the listeners wanted. I'm very glad I got that out of you. That's the best quote in the whole movie. It's obviously what started my podcast and what came up with the name for the podcast. So, after all that, we'll go into the eighth category. It's the Blind Pig Award for the One Night Stand. Who would you want to hang out with for one night of this movie, Mickey? Uh, to me, it's pretty obvious. There's only one answer. It's Detective David Mills. I feel like Brad Pitt wins this award in like any movie he's in. I'm giving this to Mills for I sure. I wanted to hang out with Dr. Or not Dr. Detective Somerset, actually. I wanted to hang out with Freeman for one night. At the Blind Pig, dude? Yeah, dude. He has crazy stories, dude. Nah, bro. But like, okay, are you, you're telling me you're going to get fucked up and have like the craziest night of your life with Detective Somerset? This man, like, this this man barely drinks wine. Like, you're not going to get fucking smacked with Detective Somerset. I guess. Maybe it's more, I was more like, I want to hang out with Morgan Freeman for one night. Not his, the character. I don't know. Ah, you're probably right. Fuck. I kind of want to hang out with Do- Detective Mills instead. Yeah, like, if I'm going to go to a gross-ass bar, like, the blind pig, and just, like... And the other thing is, like, the... The people you find in the blind pig are kind of like the people that you would find in this city, you know? Yeah. Like super yeah. sketchy people, like the kind of people that you don't really want to fuck with and like probably have some like fucked up shit going on on their own and are pretty messed up. Like Detective David Mills and I could have a very, very good night at that bar for one night and just go crazy, you know? Okay. You got me. You convinced me. I'm going to mm-hmm. go with him. Mm-hmm. All right. The ninth category, the Al Pacino Award for overacting. Yep, it there goes it only to, I think Dr. Somerset is inter- interrogating him. It's the guy who, who, who is like, uh, he has like the metal penis oh, dude, attached no. to him. That oh, guy is going for it. That guy's going for it. No one oh. else. I could not think of anyone. That guy is like going for it. The guy's like, I'm in this movie for three minutes. I'm going to go ham as fuck. That's it. You know what? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. You know what? This is, this is a phenomenal movie. It's like, what really is Really hard. What, what was it rated? Number 20? 20 of all time. Yeah. So it's, you know, IMDb for all of its flaws. Rank this as the 20th greatest movie of all time hard to find overacting in the 20th greatest movie of all time like 
I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe I just blocked that scene out of my memory because like, that's such, I cannot overstate how hard of a scene that is to watch. Like, oh my God. As a, as a film connoisseur like myself. Oh my Lord. It is such a, I think it's brilliantly filmed. Oh my God. And you know what? I guess, I guess it's a testament to how well this, like the whole point of that scene is to make, it like overly grotesque and to make you like picture the most horrific oh i don't even want to talk about it next category next category okay the 10th category steph curry award for the actor that never misses there's i have three nominees i have brad pitt morgan freeman kevin spacey but i'm going to x-nay kevin spacey because i fuck kevin spacey Spacey. so i'm just going to go between more or brad pitt (laughs) and morgan freeman who do you think acts better in this movie? Who do you think is better in this movie? I think Morgan Freeman's better in this movie. Just because, like, if we're talking about consistency in the character, like, he's just such a wise and stoic character throughout the whole movie. He's the voice of reason. He's he's an intellectual. He always knows what's going on. He's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers, like, Morgan Freeman was my winner for the Steph Curry Award. I uh, it's so hard to disagree with Morgan Freeman, but like I just think Brad Pitt is so. Oh, I love Brad Pitt, and I love him in this movie. And it's one of my favorite performances by him, especially as a lead character. I really like him more in supporting roles, but in this movie, he's the lead more. I think than Morgan Freeman. It's yep. more about yeah, yeah. him, and. Uh, I think I'm like just gut first instinct. I have to go with Pitt, but like I'm not. If I had to pick, obviously Morgan Freeman is not a bad choice. I'm, Fair enough. Uh, you know, as you know, if Freeman is four times in a week. Like I'm sure, like Brad Pitt brings like some levitude in this movie. Well, no one knew. Kind of no, one knew who, no one knew who he was, man until this really like he had been See, like that's just crazy for me to even think about like it's brad pitt i know but at this point he had done thelma and louise i looked at and that was like everyone considers his breakout role and then he was in random stuff that like really wasn't great and then he was in yeah, this movie he hadn't even done 12 monkeys yet like he yeah he did it 12 monkeys like he after- had to yeah, so he had to depart from 12 Monkeys to, like, finish shooting this movie, which is actually mm-hmm. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I think it's Pitt, but we'll go we'll, on to the next category. We'll agree to disagree on that one. The Ben Affleck Award for a streaky performance from an actor. Do you have anyone in this, in this category? I you have someone. So I, I actually don't have anybody, and that's a testament to the movie – it, it it's it's because this movie is so great i think all the performances by major characters are on point and that's all i got which wh- who do you think who do you think is going to win the ben affleck award because I think gwyneth, it's, it's gwyneth paltrow no, dude no there is something about her that I just can't find out why I don't love her. I like her. Yeah, there's something wrong with you. You're a psycho. Dude, in the diner scene, and Morgan Freeman is is telling 
uh, her basically why he's not dateable, as you touched on earlier, and why he is single and all that. And that scene could have been brilliant if she was just better. I don't know what why. Are you about? I almost, I almost wanted to rename this category after her. I'd be like, let's call it the Gwyneth Paltrow because some points in this movie, she's great. In the in the dinner scene when like it's the three of them together, but then when she's in the diner with just her and Freeman, I'm like, I don't know what it is about her. I just like, eh. But then bro. she ends up winning an Oscar for another for Shakespeare in Love. But I don't know, man. Bro. I just don't love her. Bro. I don't even like her in Marvel either, dude. I'm not gonna lie. Bro, what? Okay, no, 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 no. Her rationale, like in that whole scene, is I don't want to bring a child into this, like not even this world. It's just into this city. Like, this dude, city I get it. I get so- it, but like. Going into Paltrow, like the actor, I actress. Loved her. I wish it was someone else. Nah, bro. I'm wholeheartedly disagreeing with you on that. The diner scene is in my Mount Rushmore. Like, nah, 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 nah. No. I don't know. Uh, man. I don't, 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 don't want to fight with you right now. Like, no, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Next category. Fuck. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> All right. Category 12 scenes you wish you saw. The only scene I wish I would have seen is the psychopath in me. I wish I would have seen Spacey torturing people. Oh, I, I wish that's the only scene I can really think about. That I wish I had saw. How about you? Anything else? Okay, so just just to just to stay on that, like I think it's super effective by David Fincher to leave all of that out. I like, I do too. But if I had to pick anything, that's what I would have wished. Maybe one. I mean, I guess. Like, so you know what? I'm I'm with you on that to a certain degree because I'll tell you what mine is. But like I like it's this movie, I believe, is more disturbing because mm-hmm. it leaves that to the imagination of the viewer. Uh I watched a movie with my family. You know, me, me and my family, we watch a lot of movies, probably why Ben likes me having on the podcast so much. But like, uh, we watched this movie called Passengers, or The uh-huh. Passenger or something like that. It, you know, it's, it's one of those movies that I'll never watch again, because it was so like, gory, so disturbing. They never shied away from the violence in that movie. And like, they, there's some gruesome, gruesome shit in that movie if you like seven and you wish you saw more of the torture shit like look that <laughs> up. go watch passengers because they show it and like as disturbing as that is to watch it, i found this i found seven as an even more difficult watch and like you know we already talked about that so and to completely disagree with what i just said and to go the other way <laughs> the scenes that i wish i saw was John Doe arriving at Tracy's house, like at Detective mm. Mills' house. Like just, and you know what? Because you know what, to be honest, I don't want to see that scene at all. Like I don't have a strong enough stomach to like watch all of that happen. But like to see John Doe pull up and like start acting husband, like he said he did. And to like, 
I don't even want to know what he did to Tracy before he cut her head off and put it in the box. Like, but I don't know from a filmmaking perspective, I think that could have been done super effectively, but at the same time, I think it's executed perfectly. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I'm reaching. I think I'm reaching here, but I think if I was going to see one of his murder torturous I would have wanted to see him torture the drug dealer for a year. I think that's the one I would have wanted to see. The sloth victim? The sloth victim, yeah. That's the one I would have would have wanted to see. If oh, I was going to pick man. one. I mean, oh, it's man. also that like you been... talked about, like you talked about it's it's I think it's brilliant that he you never see him do anything. Yeah, like there's almost no violence in this movie. No, you just see dead bodies. You don't see why they're dead. but if i had to pick one if i had to pick one violent scene i would have picked the sloth victim yeah i'm getting a weak stomach just thinking about it all right so we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back to the next category Okay, we're back with category 13 with the elevator pitch. I'm going to give my elevator pitch to either a sequel or a prequel, and then I'm going to hear yours. Okay, so here's my sequel pitch to you, Mickey. Detective Mills goes to jail because he killed John Doe, and he becomes insane because he's thinking about the death of his wife and and what he did. He somehow incorporates Detective Summersight into his inevitable uh, breakout of jail, and that and when Doctor or Detective Summersight breaks him out of jail, they take total vengeance on the world, and the two of them are villains to this world, and they are just killing everyone, and they're unbelievably villains. That's my unreal sequel to this movie what are your thoughts on it and then what is your sequel Uh, or prequel see i got i got a couple problems with that man like the viewer like like how is anybody gonna believe that mills and summerside could be villains in the sequel when they're so clearly the protagonists in the in the original movie well they're both in the original movie they're both very flawed characters would you agree with me i mean okay okay mills yes but summerside not not so much but like but mills his wife died he killed a guy he's gonna go insane in jail summerside at the end of the movie goes I will do anything to help him. Anything. He says anything. So if Mills gets him on board, they're going to go insane together. Uh, I don't know, man. That's my pitch. It would be more, it would be an interesting movie. I think. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, man. Like I, I think it would be tough to get the audience on board with, mills and summerside being villains like i don't i think it would be really hard to get the audience to get to root against 
those two characters. I think I, it would be harder to get the audience to root against Somerset, but I think it could be pretty easy to to like root against Mills, considering what he has gone through. Okay. <clears throat> okay. All what's right. what's your what's your pitch? What's your sequel or prequel or, or whatever you have? What's your pitch? Okay. Mine's a sequel. Okay. And all right. I'm I'm just gonna pretend that we're in an elevator right now. I'm just gonna bang this out, all right? Yep. So same ambiguous city. Detective Mills gets a walk on the murder because if you can kill Brianna Taylor and get away with it, there's no reason you can't kill John Doe and get away with it. Right? Agreed. Yes. Yes. He's an aged veteran. He's the number one guy on the force comes across some genius level intellect serial killer in the modern day hits a roadblock early on in the case calls up his buddy detective somerset to bring him out of retirement cast christoph waltz as the villain boom you got a movie damn dude you said christoph waltz and i was in it like i feel like I feel like I could just walk into like some Hollywood execs office right now and just pitch that. And they're like, fuck yeah, dude, you got a movie. Let's do it. Uh, dude, you're, I'm so pissed that your pitch is better than mine. I don't know. <laughs> like if, if David Fincher, if you ever listening to this podcast, dude, reach out to my boy, Mickey, his pitch was better than mine <laughs> because you put Christoph Waltz in this movie. People are watching it. I most certainly am watching. He is he won two Academy Awards for playing A, the villain in Glorious Bastards, and then like the middle dude in Django Unchained. All right, but but like stay with me here. Like you get you get older Brad Pitt, who is still like and now you touched on it earlier. Like he's he's damn near a nobody when this movie is made. But like now he's in he's an, an icon. list of A-listers. Like, yep. people would flock to this movie if only Brad Pitt was in it. Yeah. Old-ass Morgan Freeman in a retirement <laughs> home who's just like, ah, shit. Alright. <laughs> yes, I'll help with this case. And, like, Christoph Waltz, like, he's a Bond villain. Like, he would be perfect to be, like, the subsequent yeah. John Doe. Yeah. So, like, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Like, my plan B for a sequel would be like, I don't know, like Detective Somerset's, Detective Somerset's older relationship. Like they kept the baby and mm. like the mm. son, like, I don't know, cast him as like John David Washington and like <laughs> he comes to the precinct and like, he has the same intellectual like wisdom that Somerset had, and he like brings that to this like crooked, like dysfunctional police precinct, and he tries to like make something new out of it, like like uh like Commissioner Gordon style in the Batman series, like yeah. I feel like there's something there that could also be done. After I, seeing, I don't know. after seeing John David Washington in Tenet, if you if you put him in this sort of sequel that you're maybe creating, 
I'm watching it. And I know you are. <laughs> and I know a lot of people are watching it. If you come from Denzel's bloodline, people are going to watch it. Or like great movie watchers are watching it. That's true. That's true. I like, oh, dude, I'm so competitive. And I like your pitch better than mine. God yeah, damn it! I, I, I like the first pitch better. I, I like bringing Brad Pitt yes. and Morgan Freeman back. Like, I agree. Yeah. You need Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman if you ever have a sequel to this movie. I agree with you, man. God damn it, I hate you that your pitch is better than mine. <laughs> so we're going to move on to the 14th category. Is Would you watch this in a Broadway musical? And my answer is, hell no. Like, can you imagine this as a... like? Brad Pitt's character singing about how he's upset about his wife or, or any sort of, I, I don't know, man. I cannot see this movie as a Broadway musical. Yeah. You? Could you think about yeah. it? No. Like, uh, I mean, I've seen, I've seen a couple musicals and like, it just, it, a story like this just doesn't make sense. I do think that the, like with the themes of it all, I think it could make a pretty cool opera. Like okay. I, th- I think, I think an opera would make a better, like, a, a medium for it. If we're talking about like musicals and whatnot, what do you because, think about that? Because no, I agree. Because Broadway musicals, you need like two or three, maybe, humongous dance numbers, where you yeah. have the whole entire cast break out into this big dance. In this movie, yeah, it's not gonna work. In an opera, there's less dancing. It's more singing and acting. I could I could see it work, but I'm I'm definitely like on and, the and on of, top of that, like operas tend to delve deeper with like the grandioseness of it all. Like mm-hmm. the, they can deal with themes of despair and like yeah. overwhelming sadness. I think an opera would be very good at tackling like the overwhelming apathy of the citizens of this fictional city like yeah i think i i think it could work but like it's it's much better as a movie i'm not gonna lie i agree i agree it would be a stretch to even put it as an opera yeah (laughs) okay we're gonna go to the 15th category on the schindler's list to the super bad rewatchability scale where do you have it as Okay, I get to lead off on this one. All right. Um, yeah. uh, you know, on previous podcasts, I like I've heard you uh, put this on like a scale of like one to ten. Mm-hmm. I don't. I I don't really want to. I don't want. I want to stay away from the numeracy. Like I don't want. I don't want to put this into numbers or anything. I. I think a good comp, a movie placement per se, would be like. The Silence of the Lambs. I think okay. that's a pretty accurate one. Like, great movie. Unbelievable film. One uh-huh. of the greats to do it. But, like, hard to watch, man. Like, I couldn't, like... I, I, I couldn't watch this twice in one week. And, like, this is... This is a movie that is... It's a great, great, great film. It's not very rewatchable. So yeah. I would put it much further towards the Schindler's List side than I would Super Bad. Yeah, I agree. Like, obviously, I watched it four times this week. 
to be prepared for the pod. I don't know if I would ever. I'm probably gonna take a long. You're a psychopath. You're a psychopath. <laughs> I'm gonna take a long break until I watch it again. So I would agree with you. It's more on the Schindler's List side, but yeah, it's on the Schindler's List side. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm probably gonna take a long time to watch it again. It's hard to watch. I definitely agree with you. Okay, so we're gonna go into the last category. The 16th category where we give out our MVPs for the movie, whether that be the director, an actor, the cinematography, the score, whatever. So I'm going to give you my four nominees for the MVP of the movie. Here we go. David Fincher, who's the director, Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, and Darius, excuse me if I mess up your last name, Con G. <laughs> did the cinematography. So who's your MVP okay. of the movie out of those four? I'm assuming you're gonna pick one of those four. Okay, you're you're correct. You're correct. I did choose one of those four. And my MVP of the movie is David Fincher. Just okay. like to to put it all together. Like this is this is a movie where like it's just a phenomenal movie and everything about it is great. Like from, from the acting to the sound, to the cinematography, like I'm pretty, we've touched on all of it. Like, I think it's just, it's a great movie. It's an all time great movie across the board. And I think David Fincher deserves all of the credit for putting this together. I think he's the MVP of this movie. Okay. I love Fincher. I also think he's the MVP, but I'm going to give you a quick Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman case. Okay. All right. All right. Quickly. My Brad Pitt case is that he starts this movie or he starts in this movie as a complete nobody. Or really he's been in Thelma and Louise and basically nothing else. Fincher takes a risk on him as the He's the star of this movie. He leads the movie, which becomes, he becomes in this movie. He goes in fight club and then boom, he's an and beyond like and beyond. Yeah. He's an A-lister for me and you's entire life. Brad Pitt is, would you agree? A top five actor of our lifetime. Absolutely. Probably. Like, exactly. Yeah. I don't even think it's a discussion, but yeah. top five. Yes. yes. No. Doubt. Yes. So Pitt. So that's where I would give him the MVP if I had to make a case. And then my last case would be the Morgan Freeman case, which would be Freeman goes into this movie saying, I'm a star. I've done Shawshank. I've done Driving Miss Daisy. I've done lots. Yep. And I'm older. I'm going to do lots throughout my career. I'm going to play the Scotty Pippen role in this movie where I'm going to take all the secondary shots. A- extremely overqualified Scottie yes. Pippen, by the way. Yes, and I'm going to be the second guy in this movie, and I'm going to be the, the, you know, just I'm going to be consistent through the entire movie. Like he was in Shawshank to, to yeah. the main character. Right, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be – I'm just going to be consistent as a second option. So that's would be my case for Freeman. But if I had to go deep down into it, I agree with you. Fincher is the MVP because he does this movie, which leads into him his entire career. 
which is a top director of my lifetime and your lifetime. So I think it's Fincher, but you know, I wouldn't be too opposed to saying Pitt and Freeman are, are also amazing in this movie. I agree. I agree. You, you agree? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So Fincher's our MVP of the movie and we're going to go into the closing remarks. So Mickey, what are your final thoughts on this movie? If you had to, you know, what's the last thing you want to say about this movie? Damn. Well, I mean, apart from everything I've said already, um, uh, I think this movie serves as a great litmus test. Like, and I, I mean, how I mean by that, it's a good litmus test to see if somebody is like a serious movie watcher. And like, I think about when I was in, I was in an English class in high school where my teacher said, raise your hand if you've seen the movie matrix and the only people in the entire classroom there was like 20 30 people in this classroom i was one of two people that raised my hand and yeah and what? like the the teacher the the teacher had to take a second to be like what what is wrong with all of you guys nobody's seen the matrix like oh my <laughs> god you just kind of realized like how old he was like this movie isn't like ferris bueller's day off where it's like you ask them like have you seen this movie and if they say no it's like oh my god what the hell is wrong with you like it's it's a test to see if somebody is like a a for real movie watcher like you ask them like it's kind of question you ask on a date after they said they've seen like they've seen a movie like super bad and then you ask, maybe you ask them a deeper question you ask them if they've seen a movie like pulp fiction and then if you hit them with seven then you know they're for real like you know yeah. that like that person watches movies movies like, that's a good litmus test agreed like this movie is so riveting i think it's so it's it's weird like I think I talked about it earlier, but I've, I've never watched this movie beside somebody. I've only ever watched this movie alone. And I would really like to watch this movie alongside someone who's never seen it or a, a girlfriend one day or one of my friends or family one day. I don't know. Like, it's so... See, like, I tell you this is a good date movie. but It's not like, a good date movie. It's yeah. Not. It's like, like we've been dating yeah, a while. Y'all been, y'all been together for like a hot minute. Y'all have seen a couple movies and it's like, oh, you want to watch a freaky movie where you can like cling to me for dear life the whole time? Like, all right, we can watch seven. Like, that's a great Exactly. Movie. Like, exactly. My thing is, like, I don't like. I like horror movies, but my thing with horror movies is I feel like most of the horror movies that come out nowadays are just trash. Like I don't yes. fuck with most horror movies that come out are just bad movies. All right. Yeah. Nobody can change my mind on that. There are, and you know what? There are some good movies that horror movies shout out hereditary shout out. I don't even know if the, the conjurings, the conjuring shout out <clears throat> the conjurings. Like those are good ass movies. And there aren't too many of those anymore, which is sad, but like, yeah. 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 Yo, the listeners know what we're saying. It's all good. So do you think this movie would work today if it was somehow remade? Okay. 
the so if you you're not going first here. No, go ahead, man. All right, all right, all right, all right. My answer to this is absolutely yes, solely because I think a version of this movie without Kevin Spacey, fuck Kevin Spacey, would probably be looked at more fondly if and only if they could get someone to replicate his performance as John Doe because as much as I love to hate on Kevin Spacey, fuck Kevin Spacey, he he did have a fantastic performance as John Doe and I think that raises the bar a little bit for the villain of this movie but let's let's just let's just have a version of this movie without Kevin Spacey because fuck Kevin Spacey. Yeah. I I I agree with you fuck Kevin Spacey but <laughs> I think it's it's really hard to make a serial killer movie with the technology that we live in. You're going to yeah. find out who that person is pretty quick with social media and yeah. all that. You could search. It would that. have to be based in the 1990s. Yes. I think that if you made a serial killer now, I don't know. I don't really, I just don't think it's believable. So if you were going to make remake this movie for whatever reason, I don't think it should be remade, but if you had to, you got to base it pre cell phone, pre social media, Instagram, yeah. all that stuff. That's why I like my sequel pitch because like, I could see Christoph Waltz as the kind of guy that's like pulling the strings from like mm-hmm. a dark web, like internet, like kind of kind of zone, mm-hmm. and like I I don't I don't know how Mills and like Somerset would figure that out, but I'm sure it would be like kind of similar to how the plot goes with the original movie. Well, that, that's for the writers to iron out, you know. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So Mickey. I just want to say thank you for joining me as the first time two-timer club member. And I'm sure you're going to probably be the first three-time club member as well. Oh, so I'm I'm honored, man. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm going to reveal the quote for the next movie on the pod, which will come out next week. It's going to, here's the quote from the movie. Here's to the fools who dream. So I want to say thank you for everyone for joining in on this podcast of seven. We'll see you next week. Take care. Peace. still here it's over go to bed go to work go i'll be here next week go bye